Hey everybody, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello, and I had a podcast for you guys, uh, and we were going to do one before these standings got rearranged again. So they previously were done, and uh, I was going to discuss that and go further with that. Um, but the standings have been amended very minorly, and some games have been played uh, that were previously not added. And uh, we're going to start today's show with that. We're going to start with D2. I'll get to D1 in a bit. Um, and then I'll talk about uh, some other stuff I have lined up for you guys as well. Anyways, let's get to our first story, which is obviously in the second division. We're talking about this title race, and it's all but locked up. If Shanghai go on and win their next game, because they do have a game in hand, being 10 points clear as it is, they'll be sitting pretty with 13 points clear at the top of the table. Um, I'll, I'll read out the standings to you guys in a bit, but it is their title to lose. And putting it just very frankly for you, they do have enough ground, especially if they win their next game, that they would already have clinched um, the opportunity to play in the first division next season. How that gets played out for them, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, Obviously, it gets harder and more difficult as you go up, but for the team that gets promoted first, I think they have to feel some sense of relief. Now, he hasn't technically clinched to the division, but uh, I think a lot of people will pretty much signal that it is Marlins to lose uh, and he's played exceptionally well over that period over this period of time and you would like to see over the last month he reestablish himself uh, obviously some points have been taken away uh, because of the three teams quitting um, but that has not taken away for how good he has been I mean uh, this race might have been a little bit closer who knows I didn't go back and check that out and but at the end of the day, he's still winning what's in front of him. I mean, there's fourteen or 15 teams here still left, and he's actually dominated in all walks of, of life in the second division. So, you know, having one of the best defense, having the, I think, the second best offense. Actually, no, he has the best offense as well. So you can't say he hasn't done the work, right? He, you can't say that he hasn't gone forward and put his best foot there and been the best team in the second division so congrats to marlin you'll be in d1 next season as for the other teams let's get you guys to the standings read of the week as we have inter milan and inter miami with 10 and 9 points respectively inter miami do have some games in hand galaxy with 21 games played on 15 points 20 points for atlanta united they're in 12th sevilla in the 11th spot with 22 23 for ac milan uh 28 for roma they have 22 games played 33 for San Jose Earthquakes there in the 8th spot. Melbourne City ahead of them by 4 points at 37. 40 points for Torino FC. I'll get to them in a bit. Manchester City, the surprise team in there with 41 points in a playoff spot. Bayern Munich in the in the more premier playoff spot with 43 points. They are 1 point behind Al Ain, who currently sit in the auto promotion spot with 44. And Josh Lampard's PSG with 47 and Marlon with 57, as I previously talked about. Let's talk about some of these teams, because I think that that's one of the issues um, that we've seen is over the course of the second division's existence, uh, we've, I guess it's not really a problem, but what we're seeing is, is the lack of that ability to play each other out for the playoff spots. And I, I've talked about this previously. I even did a blog for it. Um, but we have this crazy 
competitiveness that's going on. I would say from the eighth spot all the way up, it's pretty competitive. And granted, I would probably not put San Jose Earthquakes in that discussion, but they've been a pretty middle block team uh, for the entire season. And you can go and even look at their stats right now. I know Roma can uh, have a chance to pass them if they win their next two matches. AC Milan can do the same, uh, but it really doesn't matter. Right now, because we're we're talking about what has been done already. This team is nine six and nine sixty six for both goals and both goals scored and allowed, uh, which is a really wacky stat to see at this point in the season. But then you're also looking at teams like Melbourne City, really impressive in their first season in the league, double digit wins in the second division. Torino FC, a team that was expected to win, and I'll get to Mbappe in a bit, but this is a team that you needed to see do better. You're looking at Manchester City, a team that's overperforming. I would even say Bayern Munich are underperforming. Al Ain, a little bit of an expectation uh, that they would be in a playoff spot. They're in the auto-promotion spot at the moment. you know. And then the two teams above him are teams that I would have expected to be in this position. You're looking at teams that are all competitive and uh, within the respective division. I'm not talking about versus D1. We know where that discussion goes because I'll get to that in a bit in that m- meanders another point I'll get to later in our podcast, but one of the issues that I wanted to bring up here is that we should be letting these teams play each other for the chance to go up. And I, I, I'm going to stand firm on that. I believe that's something that we should keep. D1 versus D2 really isn't fair. Now, if D1 wants to do something where, hey, you know, you guys get automatically demoted, you know, and then, you know, other teams play each other, you know, I, I think that would be a little bit more of a welcoming sight. Uh, than this or maybe just one team from each would do it and then they have to play each other in D2 for the chance to play that D1 team. I think those are things that, uh, you know, we should discuss. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, refer to the blog and for you managers who follow it, um, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it is the system might need to be tweaked and just to kind of keep the competitiveness the same level. I know they're going to be jumping up a level, but... If you're asking a D2 team to do all that they've done all season just to get to the playoff, just to face a better team than the three teams that have been beating them all season, it doesn't really perpetuate the competition level. Some people will argue, yes, it does, because these are the teams they're going to have to play. To me, it allows a flux of talent to jump in and out of the divisions, which is really what people want to see anyways, uh, because then it allows different teams to be in D1. You get the taste of that competition, because it is the best competition we have, is the D, is D1. And I know we get that in the Cups, but it's not the same. I, I've made this argument so many times, I'm not going to try and go into it, but... I would like to see Bayern Munich kind of establish themselves over the last month now that we're going to move over to talk about these teams Um, because that's my second topic in this segment is which team is going to be able to get into that third spot because I think Josh could uh, finish along strongly here and and get to the uh, first division again. In this case, he'll be the number two team. So I'm I'm saying that I think the both Lamparts will both be uh, in D1 uh, next season. And then you're looking at PSG and, and Shanghai, obviously, they go up. You have Al Ain in the third spot currently, but I don't know if he's going to be able to hold it. This is a team that scores a lot of goals. That is the one thing I would I would tip towards it, but Bayern Munich have had a better defense all season. And granted, against some of the teams ahead of them, they've played better. They haven't played consistently well, but they've played better than they have at the beginning of the season. That's something that this team needs to figure out. We've seen City, they're playing above expectation. How do they react to the last month of games? 
I'm curious because, you know, you're only two points down. You have two games in hand, three if you're looking at trying to compete with PSG. If Mike goes ahead and wins the next two games, you know, we're looking at 47 points. You know, we're looking at a team that, you know, he could have an opportunity to do what he needs to do, but he's still on the outside looking in for that in that manner. But as far as the promotion race, he's in a great spot. He would be three points clear. And I, I think that that's where the focus is going to go. How many points can I accumulate? Uh, you know, how many am I going to need? The, this is why people are asking for the updates to come so variously for the standings, because now every game is going to matter. And of course, yeah, you win all your games. You, you know what you're going to do. No shit, Sherlock. No shit. If you win all your games, you don't have to worry about how many points you have because you would have won all your games. Wow. Man, great comp, great, great take there. Um, this is going to come down to, I think, the same six teams we've been seeing all season. I hate to be that way towards a Melbourne City, but I don't think that they've got enough left in the tank to keep doing this defensively well how they've played, you know, just 49 goals allowed. They still are going to have to keep going, and I, I don't think this team could stay consistently defensive enough, but I do think Torino and up, you're looking at the teams that are the most deserving to go to D1, uh, but Torino needs to get their act together because City have played better than expected. Munich, although I expected them to be more of a team to be a threat in that top three and kind of fight for a title, and they still have an outside chance, um, but this is a team that in Munich that plays really good defense. And I, and I think if you're looking at Torino, they don't have the defensive acumen consistently to do this and put themselves in a good position. Uh, because if that was the case, they would be in the one and two spots because they do have a good offense. They have the best player in this division who I'll get to in a bit, but you know, it doesn't matter if you're, the rest of your team can't play defense. It doesn't matter if Leroy Sané isn't matching what Kylian Mbappe is doing. It doesn't matter. Odegaard, disappointment. Upamakano should have shored up this team's defense. Luis, I, I love Luis as a person, but this team has played absolutely terrible. And I haven't gone after teams in a while, but you can have a positive 24 goal difference, score 81 goals, you've lost eight games. What are you doing? You have two of the marquee players in this division. You should be waltzing through. You should be already ready for D1. And a team that's had lesser talent, granted, I know Marlon has a system that really, you know, I played him at the beginning of the season. I even can tell. I was like, this dude's going to be a threat in D2. You're gonna ha you have to match up at some point. Put your best players against their best players and see what happens. We're not seeing that. There's not a commitment to defending the same way that we've seen with Shanghai. And I don't care if it's possession. I don't care if teams are sitting back. You, that's, that's the game. Find a way to go through them. Find a way to play around that. We're seeing teams do that in D1. Much better players, right? Uh, you know what I mean? You guys can do the same things. It's not that much of a change. That's why I've been disappointed with this Torino team. You know, I said Man City would be in the top half of the table, not in a playoff spot. I mean, this is a step up. This is a big situation for them because if they don't fold and they get to the playoff, depending on who they play, they could be in D1 next season and no one would have thought that was going to happen. I mean, no one in their right mind. Even Michael, even Ortiz cannot have thought that he was going to be in this position. He thought he'd do well, but I did not expect that. I don't think many people in the league did either. 
Anyways, we're going to take a mini break. I'll get to the stats right now, but we're going to take a little break, and I'm going to talk about this crazy goal-scoring record and what further my point on why I'm disappointed in Torino. We'll be right back. So if you're wondering, as we come from the back from the break, why I was so annoyed, I wasn't necessarily mad at Luis for being a bad team. This team's not bad. But as we get to the stat read, as we typically do, we see what these individual players are doing. And this this is to my point. As we get into the stats here, I'm going to read you guys down the assists and the goals and the man of the match and catch you guys up on all that. Let's get you guys going at number 10. These are the assists. We have two tied. It's Ankel Correa and Fabio Quagliarella of City and Roma, respectively, with 12 assists. In the ninth spot, Lucas Ocampos of Atlanta United, 14 for Andre Pierre Gignac. Really makes you question that loan deal now uh, because he's been absolutely tearing it up from the four spot all the way down to the seven spot we have Boateng, Giovinco, Alfredo Morelos, Henry Onyakuru all with 15 assists they are all tied for the fourth spot. Patson Daka, Kevin Lasagna with 18 and 16 respectively in the two and three spots and Leroy Sané of Torino with 22 assists on the season and this next category in goals Furthers my point even more of why I'm disappointed with this team. We get to the 10th spot, which is Sebastian Giovinco with 20 goals. Now, we could be on pace here to break our record of 11 different goal scorers with 20 or more goals last season. The goals in FIFA 21, it's like they just don't allow you to play defense, the game itself, because we're going to probably break that record. We're coming up on maybe up to 20 different players uh, with 20 or more goals scored in the second division. So that would be pretty crazy uh, stat to see right there. But we have Jovinko in the 10th spot with 20. 23 for Ankel Correa. He's on the 9th spot. 24 for Alfredo Morelos. Uh, Marcus Turam with in the 7th spot with 25. 26 for Gignac. Vardy with 29, 31 for both Boateng and Kevin Lozani at 3 and 4, 32 for Nabry, and 52 for Kylian Mbappe. Now, Mbappe has the most goals in our league. He also dominates the Man of the Match category as well. He is the only player with double-digit Man of the Match awards. He has 11. <laughs> so, you know, I talked about previously about wanting more from this team and how disappointed I was in this team. That's not me to take a shot, but when you have the best goal scorer in the history of the second division with 52 goals and you're not in the playoff and you're not even in a playoff spot. I think it really just kind of shows you how well these other teams have played. I mean, even Sevilla having Alfredo Morelos up there with 24 and 15 assists, like 24 goals and 15 assists. Like that's wild to me. You know, Patsandaka, 18 assists, 14 goals. Those are just names that uh, I've been able to bring up. And even, like I said, Gignac with 26 and 14, albeit between two different teams. Um, but it's still impressive. Right? I mean, these breakout campaigns, you look at Boateng of Alain as well, 31 and 15. I mean, those things are impressive. But 52 and 11? Come on, think about it. That's a really wide gap of not just goals, but the fact that there's contribution in the passing game as well. This team needs to do more. You cannot have the greatest player of second division history and not go through. So I hope they do. I hope they get it together um, because normally I'm pretty cool about that. But my goodness, these two players are just talents of their generation. Uh, and Mbappe, obviously, a lot more than Sané. But, I mean, my goodness. Imagine if there is a sweepstakes at the NFC. Let's say Luis doesn't go get promoted and he finally decides to sell Mbappe. It might be the greatest 
offseason transaction in the history of our league. No tell. We saw Holland go to Liverpool for James Madison. I think it was Tiago. I can't remember who the other players were involved in that, but there's so much value in these players. You know, if if I'm Luis, if I can get a reasonable offer of a multiple a multitude of really good players for Mbappe and it's just a trade because we're seeing trades become more popular with the funds not becoming a thing uh, in this league, which is a whole nother issue. But that that's the option for some of these teams, right? I mean, if you have needs that the, that can be fed through another way of uh, trans, you know, making a transaction and it's a trade, you might as well do it. And I think that the three, four players for Mbappe wouldn't be surprising. Like, yeah, you'd have to drop somebody, but hey, Mbappe is a world-class talent, a historic talent. The way he is, his uh, career is trajectorying, it's got to happen. I mean, you cannot have 52 goals and not go through to the first division. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, let's get on to D1 stats because, you know, you guys matter too, I think. Um, Obviously, it's not big of a surprise. Uh, I will put a disclaimer i haven't seen some of the results get recorded yet so we're just waiting on this episode you guys will get a different one than the next episode um but it's not really surprising in the goals and or the assists i mean it's the same old characters neymar is still dominating with 71 goals don't be surprised but the the and so is lataro martinez of copa america let's not forget him with 30 assists which is he's creeping up on that record by salah but it won't even matter because Chelsea have played so good themselves. Um, you know, I'd like to also point out Bruno Fernandez playing very well, 18 assists on the season. I'll just read you guys uh, where people are at, but we have from the seven spot all the way down to the 11 spot, guys tied with 15 assists. That's De Bruyne, Firmino, Gundawan, Rashford, and Hinmin Son. And then you have Lorenzo Insigne with uh, 17. He's in the sixth spot. Your top five is Fernandez, Julian Brandt, Eden Hazard, Havertz, and Lataro Martinez. And all those teams are in the top half of the table. Kashima with Julian Brandt, the only player that isn't part of a top five team. So it's still an impressive thing. Um, obviously, Wolves, I think it's temporary because the, the standings I was looking at, I don't know if that's going to stay cognizant. Uh, that might change. Uh, I'm not entirely sure because they've been doing this recording, I think, in the middle of their recording. Uh, so it may not be accurate. It doesn't matter, though, uh, because as I get you guys the goal read, you know, you're looking at that top 10. You have Victor Osiman of Napoli in the 10th spot, Timo Werner and Robert Lewandowski with 27 in the 8 and 9 spots. You have Sergio Aguero with Raul Jimenez with 28, 33 for Kai Havertz, along with his teammate Paulo Dybala in the 4 spot, and Signe with 35. I'll get to him in a bit. Cristiano Ronaldo with 52, and Neymar with the record 71 goals in a Division I season. Kind of remarkable that we have a guy scoring that many goals. I know the the goal flux has been something to worry about, but I'll, I'll, I don't think it's that much of an, uh, an occurrency that we think it is. I think it's pretty crazy that someone keeps elevating that goal record every season. We talk about it not being broken. It's been broken. <laughs> so, um, But anyways, 15 Man of the Match awards for Neymar. Insigne is the only other player with double-digit Man of the Match awards. And that's who I'd like to talk about right now because we've talked a lot about the one and two positions in the division so much. Um, 
And obviously, after I take another break in a bit, we'll move on to D1 as a whole. Uh, but just talking about stats, you know, look at Neymar's dominance. And who's right there with him is Insigne. I mean, th- this is an impressive tote for this player. I mean, you look at what Liverpool have done. They're having their best season yet. I, I, Insigne is playing up top with Holland. They're getting that kind of influence together. It's becoming an impressive thing playing with the back three. I know we've seen some games where it's 5-5, uh, but we've also seen Joey win some games 5-0. And, and you see this team also win games 2-1. to one. They're playing good defense when they need to. Uh, and they're getting their goals when they need to as well. I know there's been uh, some discrepancy and you know, in the way they've played, you know. And the, but halfway into the season, they go and get Alfonso Davies. It's even still more impressive that Insigne is still the guy that's putting all the pieces together because he also has 17 assists on the year. I this has just become more of what to expect from this Liverpool, Liverpool team next season is that they have a player. A young player in Holland, Alfonso Davies, two of the Bundesliga's best young players in their lineup. Not to mention that back three is pretty damn dominant. You know, Hugo Lloris could be a guy that might be on the move. You know, I mean, if you're just looking at Liverpool. But you cannot stop focusing on the fact that this team has found a way to score over and over and over again. And it's because of this guy. I hope he gets some uh, notability towards the end of the season because that's where we're going, you know, in his trajectory uh, to make it into the team of the season. It's there. He, it's got to happen uh, along with some of these super popular names. I know Ronaldo will be on there, right? You know Neymar's going to be on there. Who's going to be that other striker that we put into that echelon as the best three of the season? And if Insigne keeps going at the rate he is, He's going to be in that conversation. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about D1. We'll talk about the relegation race. We'll talk about who is probably the favorites to make a big move this offseason. And, of course, we're going to get into the numbers in one and two and the reason they mean so much coming down the last month's stretch. All right, guys, thank you guys for waiting on the break. Um, A lot of this is hypothetical because we still have some games not recorded. Um, but we're looking at the one and two spots with Chelsea and America. The reason I, I was saying that it's important is because it's a four-point race still. Now, Liverpool have no chance in the world of catching up. Neither do Augsburg, neither do Barcelona. And we both know, or we all know, how Wolves are. They have no chance of doing anything but staying in the six to eight spots for the rest of their lives. It is a very interesting purgatory that the universe has chosen for Andrew. But... You know, speaking of Chelsea and Club America, we have a spot where two teams, the elite of the elite in our league, are only four points separated. And as we come down the home stretch, as someone who has to play both of them, could it be a team like myself? Could it be a team that they play that they both have to play? I haven't really looked at their schedules yet. I haven't had the time to really get into it uh, with these two teams. But regardless of who they both have to run into, could one of these nonsical teams that is fighting for something else actually get in the way? We're looking at the bottom three pretty much solidified at this moment. Dortmund have really fallen off the table. Manchester United and Real Madrid have picked it up enough, I think, to secure themselves at least non-automatic demotion, right? They'll get a playoff spot, sure. But they've done enough to really help themselves get out of that basement. And with that being said... We know we might know who our bottom three is, but those teams in the 17 to the 
I would say, the 12 spot. All could be switching spots. And because they're fighting to be so desperate to get away from the playoff, could we see those games really match up? So if any of those teams have to play a Chelsea or an America, could we see these teams really match up and play tight games to where it could affect two different races at the same time? Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Well, these two teams are the best two teams. They're going to affect the relegation race because they're that good. They're going to win games. We can already fulfill that prophecy. But the other side of the coin is that maybe some of these teams fighting for the to avoid the playoff might just become the biggest X factors in the last month of the season. And I know what you're thinking. Well, they play everybody twice. That's yes, I understand that's how that works. But when you look at a specific schedule and how your season starts, your point accumulation is what matters at the end of the season. Not necessarily who you ran into. If you want to look at it like that, these two teams have affected all of us at some point in the season, but now we come down the home stretch. Is there a changing of the guard in the sense of maybe some of these weaker teams could actually affect the title race itself with maybe a draw, a surprising win, and maybe, just maybe, even goal difference could come into play here. Because if somehow this gets tied, not only does America have more goals, but they're 10 up in the plus or minus currently has the standings still or or set right now now still that could change i know that i know a lot can still change because we still have a lot of teams whose games did not get recorded and we're talking about scenarios that might not even be perpetuated they may not even happen but they could and that's the important factor you have to pay attention to here because just like with the d2 race we're getting to a spot in d1 where every single game is going to matter but in very different ways If we ever get to a point where we have a playoff, that will be very important to the way we go about different things, right? Now, I'm I'm doing this off-season tournament thing. If I was to say, hey, only in the top eight in D1 could make it, there you go. That's a third thing that could be affected by it, which would really add some gravity to the league. And that is what we're doing um, at the moment currently by having a relegation and having a title, a title race. So hopefully we get to a point where maybe a Real Madrid win helps them stay promoted without a playoff and also affects a Chelsea or a Club America in the league in the league race. That would be a dream scenario, not specifically those teams, uh, or in this case Real Madrid. Hopefully, you know, somebody gets to do it, somebody gets to break that duck. Uh that, you know, it is a big fat zero sitting up there for Chelsea and maybe someone might do it that we don't expect to do it um you just you never know coming down the last month some he might win the title take his foot off the gas I mean you don't know how that's going to play out when it comes to it because that that's another thing you're looking at the teams from uh I would say you know five to the 11 spot kind of just chilling I mean they don't have anything to play for but different positions and money we know how that gets affected in our league maybe Ajax takes a bad dip in form or a Kashima. I'm not trying to put anything on you guys for the record. I'm just using it as a scenario kicker. Okay. I promise with someone who isn't towards that, um, 40 point, even though I know Kashima's at 35 points, but maybe someone takes a bad turn in form next, you know, they're staring at a playoff possibility. You don't know what's going to happen. And those are things 
I want you guys to pay attention to. We might do an emergency pod when the stats get fully updated just to catch you guys up and we can re-go over these scenarios. But as of right now, this is what we have to play with. And this has been fantastic so far. I mean, I, I'm happy to be in the position I am currently because of everything that's gone on in the league. And some of the games haven't been counted yet. But... My goodness, I, I can't say that this has been a comfortable position either. Um, you know, just based off of playing in second division last season, being in D1, just experience-wise, this is intense. Like, every game means something uh, so much more. And if you get off to a hot start, you could kind of do, and I'm not trying to call people out, but an Arsenal and Ajax and Kashima are doing. You know, Tottenham, I will give credit because they've improved their product um, also he curb stomped me the other day. Um, but it's fine. Cause I got one over on him early in the season. Um, but you know, like a wolf, it just seems like you're comfortable. You're happy where you are. And a lot of people would be like, well, better than where you are. Yes. And no, because if I had that good of a team and I was only finishing sixth, I'd be pretty pissed, <laughs> but you know, there, there's so much that is going to happen in the off season, you know, and that leads me to my second topic. Where are we going from here with these teams? You know, you look at the bottom three. If they if standing stay as is, you know, depending on who goes to the playoff, let's say both D1 teams win the playoff, how do a Real Madrid, how does a Leicester, how does a Manchester United get better? Can young boys continue to play with two strikers? I had to word that very carefully. Um, <laughs> uh, but how do they continue to play with just Firmino and Lewandowski? Because that seems to be their biggest ploy at the moment. Can LAFC do something different? You know, Ben Yedder and Benzema, it's cool. Can that last forever? Arsenal, is the pace going to be something that they can hold on to forever? What if other teams continue to catch on and adjust? Is this team going to be mildly affected by it? Right? And I know I'm going up higher on the list. I'll wait to talk about you in the top 10. But as for the teams that go down, take from the model you're seeing from these Bayern Munichs, these PSGs, even a Shanghai. Stick to your guns, because guess what? D2, I'm not trying to be insulting, doesn't have the same talent as D1. I'm not talking about FIFA-wise. I'm talking about the players they put out there to play with. It's not the same. It's just not. And that's the difference, is you're going to come down there. If you look at the Dortmund, sure, they're allowing 98 goals right now. Worst defense in D1. They might go down to D2 and be the best defense down there. This is a team that's been hanging on. Same thing with Nacional or Levante, whatever you want to call them. They've been holding on for so long to avoid being dropped down in. If you go down and you continue playing in this league, it's not the end of the world because you're still going to have some of the better players. Look at Benfica. I talked about this earlier in the season. This is a team that, yeah, they may allow a lot of goals. We worried about that at the beginning of the season. We said this is a team that would be heavily affected by that. They go back down to D2. This is a team that's going to score probably 100 goals. I mean, that's just the way the league works sometimes. You know, you go down, even when you change competitions, Benfica fought for a third spot in the FA Cup. These are teams that are competitive in other situations right now. They're just not getting it done in this respective division. As for you in the top 10, you know, Akashima, how do they add to that offense? Because it's been fantastic so far, but maybe there's a jump. Maybe there's an uptick that they can go maybe even further because I know they got money. Same thing with uh, a Tottenham or a Napoli. How do they build on what is a solid season? You know, they're going to give themselves a second seed if they continue on like this. Um, 
you know, in a Lyon, a team that we've talked about all the time, and they've improved over the last couple months. Um, we talked about Messi so many times. What the hell happens to him? Does this team continue on with this group, and do they try to rebuild? Wolves, same question, because you have all these players, but they're older. Aguero, old. <laughs> you know, he's always injured. You know, I will say this about Suarez, he's having a great season, but he is not the same player that he used to be. You know, you look at all these other parts on this team. I mean, yeah, Ederson's a great keeper. He's kept him in some games, I'll be honest. And he's, Andrew will be the first to admit it. Ederson's made some saves. But that defense and the way he plays high-risk, high-reward football is not how you win a title. So he's going to have some questions. Even Barcelona's going to have some questions because we thought they would be better. But against some of the big boys, they are not playing well. They have not played well. And look at Augsburg. They've recovered well. They got off to such a slow start. Their team wasn't adjusted. I think this is a team that if they add one more important piece, they might even be a threat. The same thing with Liverpool. So we're looking at from the 10 spot all the way up to the top, an opportunity for, I think, these teams to look at themselves in the mirror and realize, just keep plugging away. Just keep adding guys in different positions and let me see what I can do. Because that's what it's going to come down to. Because I think Barcelona, as good as they are, are still a couple players away. Wolves a couple players away, you know, you know, even as much as I hate to say it about Santi, but he's still a couple players away from being back in this conversation until then he, he can't, he can't even touch the top four. And competitively, I know he'll say that, but the team hasn't performed that way. And the team's ahead of him. I mean, we're looking at Joey about to put up a 20 win season. He's never done that before. It never has happened in the history for him since he's been in our league. So those are things that maybe the tide is changing. Maybe things are changing for the better. How do we get to that? And I know I kind of combined final word with D1 uh, for this podcast, and I hope you guys are okay with that. But that really was an important factor when you come to look at the last month of a season. How do these teams start to get their plans together? Because you'll really realize it. Because I think some teams will start picking up their pace. And it sounds weird to do that in the last month, but they realize, hey, if I make a couple extra million, I might be able to pull off the deal I want to pull off. And some teams might have already been talking. But that's just where we are. We'll see when we get there, of course. Of course. And we'll be talking about it here. When they do finally finish their standings, I know it's kind of gone through a really hellish uh, system of operations, so I'll be patient. Um, and I suggest you guys do the same. Um, we will let you guys know. I will do an emergency podcast if I have to, um, or I'll do some form of communication to where we can really establish what the hell's happening. And then we'll get an update on these situations. But as of right now, that's what you're looking at. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, I, as some, you know, speaking for myself, winning those three straight games, that's a big deal. I, I want to see that recorded. You know what I mean? Everyone should be on, I believe 31 games is where we'll be. Uh, if I have my math correct, we'll be at 31 going into the last month. So we still have a lot of games to play. There's still a lot to, that can happen. That you know, 21 points is still on the line. Who is going to take that? And you, I mean, you just never know. That's the cool thing about our league, especially D1. You just never know. Um, but anyways, thank you guys for listening uh, to the podcast once again. I mean, I I made a joke about it, but I was obviously kidding. You know, I actually like doing it. I just, it's been hard to have the time lately. I wrote out myself a schedule and 
you know, you just get busy. Uh, so hopefully no one takes that personally. I also took a week off to let the league catch up in the standings because we're having issues uh, with that. And I don't think that's something that is even a surprise, you know. And I, and if you think I'm taking a jab, I am. You know, people ask you for help and you don't want their help and then nothing gets done. I mean, I don't think you should be surprised. That's basically the history of America anyways. Um, but thank you guys again for listening as always. Check out our Instagram. I know I'm I'm trying to get on it. I usually do when I work overnight shifts. You'll see random shit posting. That's me. Um, but go to our Instagram at San Pedro FIFA League 2.0. I'll make sure I get some stuff on there. I'll try to at least. For those of you who keep scoring these cool ass goals, why not send them to me? I can post them different places. That would be kind of cool to have it on Instagram or the blog or really any other form of communication we have besides just posting it in our group chats or wherever, you know, I think it'd be pretty cool. Just saying. Um, but yeah, thank you guys once again for listening to this week's episode. Uh, I think I've said it. We'll do an emergency pod plenty of times. Uh, I'm George Tello. Thank you guys once again for listening to the San Pedro FIFA league podcast. We'll be back next week till then. Goodbye.